It is indeed an honor to be back at Mead Station Church of God. I was here in March of 2010. That's been nine years. Uh, I'm glad to be back. I'm privileged to be back. And I'm thankful for your pastor, Chris Murphy. Glad to have him back in Kentucky and away from Kansas. Uh, we're grateful to have him here. We are fighting a battle today, whether we realize it or not. We're in a big battle. Uh, one that we need to address and know how to deal with. The devil has stolen so much stuff and so many things from the church. It's time that we go take them back. You remember what, I, what uh, Moses said to the children of Israel? In Deuteronomy chapter 1, he says unto them that it's time to go take back the property. Go up and possess. In the, in the 21st verse of that first chapter of Deuteronomy, it says, See the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord the God, and the God of your fathers told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go up and possess the land. I can remember well when the church used to shout and rejoice and thank God for all that He had given to her. But it seems today that we let so many of those things slip away. We let the devil come in and rob us. Take from us which is rightly ours. So I stand before you this morning and say unto you that God has given us the church. Let's go up and be the church. Let's take possession of the land that God has given to us in this day and this generation. Now Moses has outlined in the, in the uh, seventh chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses has outlined a strategy for how we can have victory. Now he was speaking to Israel of that day, but if I understand the Word of God, Israel today is the church, the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are the new Israel. We're the ones that's living under the new covenant. I'm glad for the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm glad for the power of the Word. It seems that so many times we fail to realize that the, the Word still convicts people, and we have lost the conviction that it does. I believe preach the Word. I believe be in the Word, be students of the Word, live out the Word. And that is what I find Moses is saying to the children of Israel. In his farewell messages by Moses, you've got to realize in Deuteronomy there, Moses is 120 years old. But boy, he still has an eye for God. He still has a faith in God. He still has a, de a determination to do and be what God wants him to be. And so he addresses the new generation that is coming after them. He is addressing the younger generation. I believe today that we need to address the young generation with the word of Almighty God. I believe that it's the only firm foundation that we have as a people, as a church, as a nation. It is the foundation upon which we are to build. Now you see the young generation is destined to possess the land. The young generation coming after us, they're going to be the leaders in the church. After you and I have passed off the scene, there's going to be the young generation coming up. It's so important that we help them to understand they too are to possess the land that God has given to them. Now I want to tell you, choice not chance, 
determines our destiny. It's the choices that we make today that will determine our destiny in the future. God made his choice. He chose Israel in the Old Testament. God has made his choice in the New Testament, which is the bride of Christ, the family of God. We are the one that God has chosen for, for this generation. Israel was not, was not chosen because of their numbers, but because of his love. You and I have not been chosen, called of God, not because of who we are, but because of who he is and his love for us. Now, in this text, as I say in Deuteronomy, you can turn with me if you wish, Deuteronomy chapter 7. Uh, you can read the whole 26 verses of that chapter, but uh, I'm going to focus on the 12th through the 26th verse of that chapter this morning as I speak unto you. Now, a lot of people say, oh, I don't know. The Old Testament, Old Testament. I want to tell you that God is the same in the New Testament as He is in the Old Testament. He's the same in the Old Testament as He is in the New Testament. God does not change. It's you and I that are called up on to change. He changes us as our brother just sung and, and gave us this song that he gave this morning. He's not the old man that he used to be. He is a new man in Christ Jesus. And so we need to understand that he is the same God. What a victorious passage of Scripture we find here in Deuteronomy chapter 7, uh, beginning with verse 12. I will not read it. I will just refer to the Scriptures as we get through them. That time we'll share them at, at that time. And uh, you see, Egypt is behind the children of Israel. The bondage that they were once living under, they have been set free from that. They have been set free from that bondage and their wilderness, their wilderness wanderings are over. They're past. I mean, they had spent 40 years wandering around in a circle, same, same pattern, day in and day out. How boring could that be? Now, Moses told them, said, if you just followed God, when you should have followed God, you had an 11-day journey. Aren't we sometimes like that? God will get us to our place we need to be a lot sooner if we'll just follow Him. But they, they begin to say, well, well, here's the situation over there. Begin to look around and lost sight of what God really wanted them to have. Now, Canaan land was the land of promise. And it was a land that flowed with milk and honey. It was a, landing, a land of blessing. It was stretched out before these. And he says, now here it is. Now go possess it. Go possess it. But How? Moses outlines God's strategy for Israel in that day. This book right here has outlined God's strategy for the Israel of this day. People want to go away from the book. You go away from the book, you lose relationship with Almighty God. The relationship comes with God through the book. That's where we find where Jesus tells us how much He loves us, how much He cares for us, what He did for us, what He wants to do in us, what He wants to do through us. Right here is where you find somebody say, oh, what's the will of God? Well, I want to tell you what the will of God is right here in this book. Following hard after the heart of God, walking in His footsteps, listening to His words, taking His guidance, and following Him with all of your heart. Now, I was saved in July of 1959. Now, you know, I know I don't look that old to be uh, to being saved back in 1959, but I want to tell you, Jesus walked into my heart, walked into my life. He taught me. I, Judy, I was the only heathen I think Judy really dated. Uh, and and uh, she did missionary dating with me. Now, I don't recommend missionary dating. But God put her in my life. 
And it was through her family that I come to know the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's through her family I come to love the Word of God. It was through her family that I learned beyond my own will to follow God's will. And I'm simply saying to you this morning, my friend, that God has a will for your life, and we live it out in, by living the Word of God. Moses says there are some things that you need to look at that, ver that 12th verse of that passage of Scripture. Well, I'll go back to the 11th verse. It says, Therefore, take care to follow the commands, decrees, and laws I give you today. Now, what's he talking about? Deuteronomy is almost a replica of Exodus book. And when you look through it, the Ten Commandments are in the, in Ex, the book of Exodus. It's also in the book of Deuteronomy. And he says, these are the decrees that God gives to us. This is the word that God has to say to us. He said, now you pay attention to them. And 12th verse says, if you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love with you as he swore to your forefathers. Did you get it? Did you hear what he said? He said, pay attention to what God has to say about life. Pay attention to what God is saying to you and to me. Hear, hear them. What do we do? We are to hear the Word of God. We are to keep the Word of God. We are to do the Word of God. And that's the only way the church is going to be kept on track is when we hear the Word of God do the Word of God, walk in obedience to the Word of God, then God will guide us to greater heights than we ever dreamed of, give us greater victories than we ever thought we could have if we'll just follow the Lord. If we just follow the Lord. You see, Israel's future in Moses' day will be determined by their response to the Word of God. The future of this local congregation, the future of the Mount Sterling Church where I now attend, it, it will all be determined upon us following the will of God and responding to God as we ought to respond. You see, we have a covenant relationship with God. It's not something you're supposed to run in and out, run in and out of. It's a covenant relationship. You're not supposed to be up and down. You're supposed to walk with God, fulfill what you said you'd do the day you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart and your life. And I want to tell you, my experience with the Lord Jesus Christ is as fresh today as it ever has been. Why? Because it gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. God is almighty. And so what was true for Israel in that day is true for us today. God says, obey and I will bless. We've changed that around in our day. You know that? You see, we reverse that in this day. I will obey if you will bless me. Uh, no, that's not the way. God said, I'll bless you if you obey. I'm not going to bless you, and not let you uh, without you obeying. You see, God's response to Israel's obedience is overwhelming. It's wonderful what we find that God did for his people in that day. You read verse 13, and you said he loved them. In verse 14, 13 and 14, he blessed them. They multiplied. Their cattle was healthy. They multiplied. The crops increased. Everything. Brother and sister, it's an abundance that God throws out on us and flows over into us when we walk in obedience to his word. Now you say, how can I prove God? Oh, I'm glad you asked that. Just go to Malachi. Malachi talks about tithing. Now we don't like to talk about money. 
But if you want to prove God, this is one way that God says you can prove me. He said, you just bring the tithe to my house and see, and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing where there's not room enough to contain it. Judy and I found that true. I, I, like I said, I grew up as heathen uh, until I met Judy. And then I met her family. I met the Lord through her family. But when I first got saved, there's two things I didn't believe in. There was one preacher this morning, don't be offended. Okay? I didn't believe in women preachers because the little growing up I had in church, was, I jerked up between the Nazarene and the Baptist. I was totally confused. And, and so I, I, I couldn't embrace women preaching. I took vacation to go to Camargo Camp Meeting. And as I took the vacation to go to Camargo Camp Meeting, I was sitting there on Monday night, and wouldn't you know it, that on Sunday morning they'd go have a woman preacher. On Tuesday morning they'd go have a woman preacher. I said, I'm not going to be here, Lord. He said, didn't you take vacation to come camp meeting? I said, yes. He said, didn't you be here? You know what she preached on that Tuesday morning? Tithing. I hadn't believed in tithing either. God got me with a double whammy. Um, he said, hey, man, you came to hear the word. You didn't want to hear it from a woman. But you got to hear Balaam got it from someplace else. What I'm simply saying is I sat there, and after that, she just wasn't content to say, well, we're going to close service. Anybody want to come? You haven't been tithing. Get up here and stand before God and all these people here and make your commitment. I walked up that morning and I said, Lord, you convinced me. I, women can preach. And number two, I need to tithe. There was times we didn't have the tithe, but we gave it anyway. We didn't rob God. We sat in a little rural church at Howard's Meal on a Sunday morning. As we sat there, offering was coming around. I was making $70 a week. Boy, it was a whopper. And, and making $70 a week, and I had the $7 that belonged to the Lord in my pocket. That's all I had. We, were, we, we hadn't bought groceries that week, hadn't put gas in the car that week, anything else. When I left the meal that Sunday night without telling anyone that I didn't have any money in my pocket or any need in my life, God put $23 in my pocket before I left. Came up and said, Lord, impress me to give you this. Lord, impress me to give you this. Lord, impress me to give you this. Three times plus. Prove God. Prove God. See if He won't bless you. Walk in obedience to His Word. Be faithful in doing what He's asked you to do. He'll bless you. He'll bless you. Verse 15, He healed them. He kept them free from disease. And in verse 16, He protected them. What I'm simply saying to you is when we obey God, He blesses us. Whether it's an individual, whether it's a church body, or whether it's a nation, he blesses. God will give them victory. Israel could, uh, if the words have been pinned in that day and everything, by the words of what a mighty God can serve, I can hear them singing it. What a mighty God we serve. And everything. They had their eye on God, and God blessed them and received them. If we're going to, if we're going to please God, and if we're going to serve God, we need to recognize that He's the Jehovah God of the Old Testament. He's the Elohim. He is the Yahweh. We're serving the same God today that he, they served in that day. And there's a song that says He's just the same today 
as he, as he, today as he was to them. The song says he healed in Galilee, set the suffering captive free, and he's just the same today. Brother and sister, we cannot throw out our history. We cannot throw out the, the heritage of the Reformation movement of the Church of God and expect God to bless us as a Reformation movement. We need to stay with the truth of God's Word and sing the songs and enjoy the messages. That's where our theology is sung. That is where, that's where we learn our theology is singing our hymns. Dr. Joy, uh, Donald Joy at Asbury College says we need to keep our hymns. We need to keep them because we sing our doctrine. That doesn't mean it has to be hymns only. We just sing a beautiful song opening up the service here today that's more contemporary. It doesn't need that. The thing about it is the message of God needs to be sung, needs to be preached, and needs to be lived. He's the everlasting God. He's from everlasting to everlasting. You know some good reading? Read on the holiness of God. Get, get A.W. Tozer's books. Read on the holiness of God, the pursuit of God, and who God really is. We've lost a holy awe of Almighty God, a reverence for God. And we need to go back and take that back and restore it in the hearts and lives of the, of the people of God. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the first. He's the last. He's there. He was there in the beginning. He'll be here at the end. His strategy for them will work for us today. Now, Judy said, looks like you've got a sermon big enough for the whole week. But uh, anyway, if I don't get through this morning, I'll try to finish tonight. But what I need, to, what I need you to understand is the strategy for them will work for us today. Moses, being the wise leader that he was, and he was a wise leader. He just made a foolish mistake at the end, you know, when he tried to bring that water out of the rock for himself, by himself. And so we need to realize he, need, he realized this, that one of the greatest battles that people are going to find in that day was that of fear. He recognized there's going to be fear in the heart of the people. We need to recognize that a lot of reasons why we don't do what God asks us to do is because we fear that we're going to be a failure. Knowing that, uh, that the first battle that the men would fight was not on the battlefield, but it was in here. The first battle we have to fight is with our own selves. It would be in the mind. He pointed out that many of them will be fearful about entering a new land and facing the other nations. Fear today, sometimes we in the church fear doing a new thing. I think we need some new things. I think we need to change many of the methods that we use sometimes and update them to methods that, need to, that can be used of God to reach the world around about us. And so, but being led by God is what Moses did. Moses had a plan that would help his people, lead his people out of their fears and prepare them for battle. Now, here's the plan. Number one, Concentrate on the greatness of God. How great is our God? Concentrate on the greatness of our God. Don't concentrate on the enemy. In verses 18 and 19, you'll find that of this chapter. And it's simply, you concentrate not on 
not on the enemy, but on God. Look at verse 18. It says, But do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and all of Egypt. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, the miraculous signs and wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the people who are you now fear. Now what happened here was Moses, he went over his whole life. I don't know about you, but I'm like David of old. David said, I encourage myself in the Lord. Hmm. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, lift up a standard, got to lift up a standard against them, but you need to lift up the mightiness and greatness of our God, the miraculous hand of our God. Re- remove the, how do we do this? Remember our past victories. Moses recalls Israel's deliverance from Pharaoh and Egypt. He, in all the battles that they had won and the things that God had done, he rehearsed all that before the people. How do you learn your math skills? We who are back there. <laughs> Repetition, didn't we? Two plus two is four. Three plus three is six. Three plus three is six. Two plus two is four. Over and over and over again. If our people are going to realize how great our God is, we're going to have to tell about Him over and over and over and over again. We got a generation today, you have to say the same thing four times before they get it. If they get it then. And, and so Moses rehearsed all this thing before them and about the miraculous deliverance of God. Israel's deliverance story did what? It magnified God. While they were up against, they had their backs up against the wall, they had the Red Sea in front of them, and who delivered them? And I love that song that Miriam got on the other side and began to sing. Now, we in the Church of God Reformation Movement, we talk about tambourine, it kind of makes us nervous, you know. But, but you know, they, they sung and they danced. And gave God the glory and the praise for what he had done. Church, we need to understand and realize what God has done for us. He found us in a horrible pit. He lifted us out of that horrible pit. He put our feet on a solid rock. He put a song down in our heart. We ought to sing it. We ought to shout it. And we ought to stand on it. The enemy would like for us to forget God's deliverance. They just like for us not to talk about it anymore. Well, brother, as long as I live, I'm going to talk about what Jesus has done for me. Huh? What did Paul do? Had Damascus experience, Damascus Road experience, and what did he talk about every place he went? What God had done on that day at Damascus Road experience, he talked about that. His life was changed, and he talked about what the one who changed his life. Hmm. Tell it. Tell it wherever you go. Tell it wherever you go. Little lady down in Craigsville camp meeting years ago. I don't know where I'm going with this whole message this morning, but I'm going to follow what I. Okay. This little lady was down there in 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 the uh, Craigsville camp meeting. First time I was ever there. 
And she had the hallelujah down pat. I mean, she'd hold that out. Hallelujah. And she'd shout and bounce up and down. And I asked Ray White, I said, Ray, is that woman for real? He said, oh, yeah. Ray was, had pastored her. He said, yeah, she real. I said, you see her on the street. She acts the same way. She comes to church, does the same thing. She's talking about what God had done for her. We need to talk about what God has done for, for us. The enemy would like for us to forget God's deliverance. He don't want us to talk about Zacchaeus coming down out of the tree and Jesus going, going home with him for the afternoon, his life being changed. You said, I know it's changed. He showed fruitful evidence that his life was changed. Someplace from the time he left that limb to hit the ground, God had changed his life. He said, I tell you what, he said, if I've taken anything, he's an old tax collector, IRS guy. And, and so he, uh, he, he said, if I've overcharged anybody, did anybody wrong, I'll return it fourfold. Four and I'll take the other half and give it to the poor. Now, I want to tell you, that takes change. That's a radical change. That is evidence of a man being changed. It, they don't want to talk about that. The devil doesn't want to talk about the woman who came to Jesus after 12 years with the issue of blood and, God, and Jesus healed her. He doesn't want that story told anymore. He doesn't want us to talk about Paul on the road to Damascus. I call upon you when the enemy comes in like a flood you and you are overwhelmed. Remember what God has done for you. Remember the times that God intervened and showed himself to be greater in your situation. Remember holding our little firstborn child in our arms, and the doctor says, if there's a definite change, he's going to be taken in the hospital, called a Nazarene preacher. Our pastor was out of town at that time, called Nazarene preacher, and Brother Cummings came into our little apartment where we were living. He had known it, our little boy, and instantly, things changed. I can't forget that. I can't forget that. I had a little boy that I was preaching revival in Wilmington, Ohio, and our son had been given one of those red hot cinnamon balls. He got lodged in his throat. He was literally dying. My wife's an RN, not an RN, but an LPN. And I said, honey, let's take him to the hospital. She said, no time to get him to the hospital. Blood vessels already broken in his face. He wasn't breathing. The quartet was singing. They, they stopped singing. They come gather around. Judy said, I, they said, what can we do? Judy said, pray. Boy, they began to pray like nobody had ever prayed before. Damon, who's a preacher and pastor for 24 years, looked up and said, dotted out. Dotted out. You can't forget that. The world doesn't want to talk about a God like that. God doesn't, the world doesn't want to hear about a God like that. But I can tell you over and over again, when Judy and I have had financial crises, God showed up. When we had physical problems, God showed up. Wouldn't take nothing from my journey now. I've been on it over 60 years. Oh, church, hear me this morning. Hear me this morning. We've let the devil steal too much. We've let him take so much away from us. The more victories you experience, the greater, greater your confidence is in God. You remember when David was facing Goliath? What did he do? He recalled how God delivered 
him out of the hand of the bear and the lion. Stand confident in the face when you face the future. When your memory of the past is filled with the greatness of God, you have a faith and you have a confidence that believing God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did then, he can do now. I still believe in divine physical healing. But we don't hear it preached a lot. Judy's mother, 1969, was diagnosed with lupus. 1969, she was anointed and prayed for at the Millville Avenue Church of God on a Sunday morning in Hamilton, Ohio, where Judy and I were pastoring, and instantly God healed her. I thought maybe she had died there at the altar. Anybody knew my mother-in-law, she was always chattering. She just stayed quiet. After she was anointed and prayed for, just remain quiet. And I kept waiting. Felt like an eternity of waiting on her. And she began to weep. And she said, the pain that I came in here with, every bit of it's gone. You ever known anybody that lived with lupus? From 1969, died in 2008. Hmm. Divine healing is real, folk. God is just the same today. Yes, He healed in Galilee, set the suffering captives free, and He's just the same today. We've got to learn to claim. Uh, the second thing we need to do is, is to claim the promises that God made. He made promises to the children of Israel in that day. And uh, he says in the, in the 17th verse of that chapter, you may say to yourselves, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and Saul. He gave the promise to them that deliver them. He would deliver them. We sing the song. Standing on the promises. Like one old preacher said, I think we've gone from standing on the promise to sitting on the premises. Hmm? Hey, it's time to stand on the promises. Verse 19 of that, of that chapter there, it makes it very clear to us. You saw with your own eyes the great, the great trials, the miraculous signs and wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm with which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the people who now you now fear. That's God's promise. People say, oh, I wish I could get the victory. You got Jesus? If you got Jesus, you got the victory. He's the victory. He's the one that wore, has, has won the war. He, not us. You see, uh, he will do the same in this day. To, he said, I'll do the same to all these nations that are, you're coming up against. Those you now fear, they're going to go down like Egypt did. They're going to go down like the Egyptians. He said, you do not have reason to fear. Just seek first the kingdom of God. Walk upright. 
He says, you walk upright, not not withhold any good thing from you. Now, the big question that, will, that people will have as they enter Canaan is, is God able? Moses says, yes. He's more than able. The writer says, is there anything too hard for God? Absolutely not. A woman well past the age of childbearing, born the hope of Israel. Abraham and Sarah. God of the past is still the God of the present. What he could do yesterday, he can do today. What he did then, he'll do now. God is already in your tomorrow. You don't have anything to fear. Part one, page two coming tonight. Folks, we need to understand what a mighty God we serve. What a loving Father. What a God that is waiting for us. He has blessings that will remain with Him if we don't do what He asks of us to do. Moses said, hey, folks, Look back, but not only just look back, live today and look forward. He's a mighty God. He has told us through his word, through the pens of all the writers. I don't see any failure on God's part throughout the whole word of God. He can't fail. You think he brought the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, led them through the Red Sea to die at the hands of the Canaanites? No. You think he brought you out of sin into salvation, put you in the body of Christ and just throws you the world and said, make it the best way you can? No. No. Grasp it. Hold on to it. Confidence comes from seeing what God has done and having experienced in our own life some of the same things. If we boast, let our boast be in the Lord. Not in anything within us. He has won the victory. Now if you're here today, I want to encourage you to walk in the Word. Live out the Word. Believe and trust the Word. It's trustworthy. If you're here today and you're struggling in your walk with Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to make a new commitment to Christ. And say, Lord, I haven't been in your word like I should. I falter, I failed. But now, Lord, I'm coming to make a new commitment. From this day forward, I'm going to read your word. I'm going to live out your word. Through your power and not my own. 
you're here today and you have a physical illness, I believe that any time God's people gets together is a good time to pray for one another. If you have a physical ailment, you come, Brother Chris will anoint you with oil, pray prayer of faith over you, and I believe that God will heal you. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. Judy and I have pastored for 50 years, full-time pastoral ministry for 50 years, four different churches. We have seen all kinds of situations. People that five doctors gave up on to die was in the hospital for six weeks from a car accident. At the end of five weeks, I walked into the hospital to visit him. His wife was sitting outside of room 228 Mercy Hospital, Hamilton, Ohio. She was weeping and the door was closed on his room. I went over to her and knelt down beside her and I said, Sister Briggs, what, why is the door closed? They don't expect Charlie to live through the day. I knelt down beside her and as I was there, I said, I'm going to ask you what you want. Well, I want Charlie to live. I said, okay. Are we willing to ask God to let Charlie live? I see her faith was wavering. For 45 minutes, we took the word of God. You see, sometimes faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so reciting scriptures and talking about the scriptures for 45 minutes, I said, now you're ready to pray. And she said, yes, we prayed. Five doctors having given him up, wasn't expecting him to live through the day, had a tear at the base of his brain. One week from that day, he walked out of the hospital on his own power. What a mighty God. I cannot let that word die in the church today. It cannot. It's not just given to the older generation. It's given to all generations for all time. So if you're here today, you want to be anointed and prayed for, you come. You come. Trusting God. Believing God. If you need salvation, come. Come to Jesus. Don't come to me. Come to Jesus. Let's stand and sing. Who's going to lead us in verse? You can start from back there if you want to. <laughs> God is the Almighty. He's the All-Powerful. Sometimes you may need to just get into the Word. And get some study helps and study about the omnipotent power of Almighty God. Study about the omniscience of an Almighty God. Just study the Word. What a mighty God. Understanding God gives you greater faith that you can trust Him. You need some more. Let's, let's sing.